Hi there. I'm Jen Hale Christie, and you're listening to Preach Her. This podcast is designed around the reality that many of our churches are shrinking because we haven't created a place where everyone can belong. So if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church, this podcast is for you. Welcome. One quick note before we jump in. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to check out and join our Patreon community. It's an awesome way to join me and others in this good work, whether you want to support women preachers and make sure this work continues, or if you want to partner with me and have actual direct input, there are opportunities for you to engage at whatever level feels good for you. So click the link in the show notes and let me know what you think. Today, we have a special guest preacher, and afterwards, I encourage you to stick around and hear our conversation about life, ministry, and hope for the church. And now, let's hear a word. I swear, I could feel their warm saliva sting my eyes as they spit in his face. I swear my vision was absorbed by darkness as they wound a dark cloth around his head. My own sight darkened, the light of the sun replaced by shadowy figures still visible through the cloth wrapped around his eyes. I swear I felt the sharp tug as they knotted the fabric once, twice, three times. A fourth time and the fabric would have sliced through my eyes, my flesh, my bone. One tug tighter and the coarse wool would have sliced through his eyes, his flesh, his bone. I swear I could feel my body collide with the ground and the sting of gravel embed in my knees and the palms of my hands. Throbbing pain erupted from my ribs as a blunt end of a staff slammed into his side, knocking the breath from his body, and he fell. I swear my stomach raged and swirled as fists and clubs and kicks encircled him, his fragile form thrown between them. I swear I could hear their insults, the heat and stench of their rancid breath smearing across my face as they mocked him. I swear I could feel the jagged pieces of rock and teeth stitched to the whip embed themselves in my back and ripped strips of tendon and muscle as they carved through his back. A sickening mixture of relief and dread weighed down on my chest as they ceased their torture and forced him to stand before the authorities. I could feel the barely contained excitement of the crowd, kept contained only by the forced silence evoked by the guards. Their bodies betrayed their eagerness as they shifted like the choppy waters of a lake. But not even the warning presence of the guards could keep their outburst from crashing into the ears of the judge as they demanded, Crucify him! Crucify him! Their eyes alight with anticipation of the kill— Their prey cornered, wounded, his blood trickling down his legs, staining the stones at his feet. I swear, their calloused hands bruised my skin as the guard's fingers clenched around his arms and forced him stumbling forward towards the place, the place. I couldn't speak its name. I couldn't know what was to come. The knowledge would destroy me, so I forced the future from my mind and walked behind him. 
I swear my legs faltered as he took one agonizing step and then another. I swear I could feel the weight of his cross as they forced it upon him. I swear I could feel the wood press into the gouges in his back, splinter sinking deeper into the fresh wounds of his back and shoulder. I swear my breathing grew labored as all hope of a deep breath was thwarted by his cracked ribs and the bend of his body to accommodate the weight. That sickening mixture of relief and dread returned when they took the cross just before I knew he would break in half at the waist and die there on the road. I swear I could feel his pain, his agony. I swear I experienced his suffering in my own body. I forced my way through the crowd, begging his eyes to find me, begging his eyes to meet my gaze so that he would know I was here. Look up, I begged him. I'm here. I'm right here. And as though he could hear my plea, he looked up and our eyes met. And I swear, I could still see my son. I swear that in those sunken eyes, I could still see the baby I cradled close to my chest. I swear I could still see the boy I sang to sleep at night. I swear I could still see the man I followed. I swear I could still see my son. My son, encouraged forward by demands and insults and the crack of the whip. Across the space between us, cloaked in nothing but pain, the mockery of the crowd, the smell of death, I held his gaze and whispered, I love you, my son. I'm here. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And the briefest spark shone through his cloudy eyes, numb by suffering. He spoke to me, his voice gentle but heavy with a deep sorrow. The time will come when you will say, Blessed all the childless women the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Another kind of crucifixion, 1893. I swear, I could feel the ropes choking his wrist, the sharp cord catching hold of my skin and tearing the flesh away as they pulled his body forward through the swelling and shifting rocking of the anxious crowd. I swear my knees buckled and cracked against the unwelcome ground as his feet, released by exhaustion, fell 
I swear I could taste the dust that greeted his eyes, his mouth, his nostrils, a billowing cloud of grit and gravel stirred by his collision. I swear the air left my lungs as the stiff, rounded edge of a boot plowed through his stomach. The quick crack of a rib, the only words of encouragement spoken over him to get up and move. I swear I could feel the pulse of the crowd reverberating over his skin. So thunderous was the crack of their applause. Their shouts and cries of approval, a torrent of sound flooding over his silence as judgment was passed, drowning out all hope that clung to me, breathless and afraid. I swear I felt the chill of the wind smack against my own flesh, bare and exposed to the fevered eyes of the crowd as their hands grasped the threadbare fabric of his shirt, his pants, and stripped him of his last defense. He stood naked, his skin stripped of moisture and warmth, a piece of charcoal waiting motionless to be consumed by the riotous flames of the crowd closing in around him, drawing the oxygen from my body to feed their frenzied need for the vengeance they called justice. I swear my fingers itched to reach out and grasp a piece of his clothing in a desperate attempt to hold on to him, a piece of him to cradle gently in my hands, the briefest remnant of his scent. But his clothing passed through the crowd, their greedy fingers placing torn pieces of him in their pockets, tangible evidence, souvenirs of a life destroyed that they could display to their families and friends. I swear the muscles of my back shuddered with pain as they forced him down upon the makeshift platform. A hundred sharp pricks running down my own back and legs as the splintered wood scratched and pierced his skin. A trail of fresh cuts alongside the assortment of scars and fresh slices of the whip across his back. Dark tendrils of smoke rose from a makeshift fire as two men reached for the branding irons and pulled a glowing emblem from the fire's womb. I swear my body instinctively convulsed away from the branding iron as its orange and red glow moved closer to the soft flesh of his stomach, and the white tendrils encircling the iron reached out to warn his skin of the burn. The burn. I swear my skin melted around the iron signature and the unmistakable smell of burning flesh embedded in my nostrils and my memory as the orange and red glow of the iron was eclipsed by his ebony skin and he screamed, a horrid, weakened, breathless scream, the scream of one who had already died. I swear the burn overwhelmed me and my body shook in pain as the glowing iron slowly dulled, cooled by the touch of his skin again and again. They burned their names on his chest and his arms and his feet and his thighs and his face and I swear I reached up to touch my face expecting the heat and slick residue of burned skin to greet my fingertips but only my tears greeted the brush of my hand. They collected wood 
and trash to add to the pyre beneath his twisted still form. I swear I tasted the oil in my mouth as they drowned his head in the fuel. Feet shifted back and forth. Two close bodies collided with one another. Heads shook up and down in approval, and thick hands slapped the backs of their neighbors, a congratulatory gesture as anticipation wafted through the crowd. I forced my way through the crowd, begging his eyes to find me, begging his eyes to open and meet my gaze so that he would know I was here. Open your eyes, I begged him. I'm here. I'm right here. And as though he could hear my plea, the swollen lids of his eyes parted and our eyes met. And I swear I could still see my son. I swear that in those swollen eyes I could still see the baby I cradled close to my chest. I swear I could still see the boy I sang to sleep at night. I swear I could still see the man I was so proud of. I swear I could still see my son as a single flame licked up the sweet oil caking his skin and the wood beneath him. Through the flames, through the human-like bodies that danced alongside the fire, both consuming my son, I whispered, I love you. I'm here. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. As the smoke stole his final breath, he turned his head towards me and fell into the escape of death. Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed, for they will not be forced to suffer the loss of their children to the crucifying violence that tortured the Christ and burned black bodies. A crucifying violence that continues to steal children from their parents, forces families to flee their homes and brave poverty, starvation, and sickness. A crucifying violence that perpetuates genocide because the earth must be cleansed of the other. A crucifying violence that demands the exploitation of children to feed the pleasures of the mob. A crucifying violence that targets those without privilege, without power, and thrives off the mindless obedience of the crowd. A quote from Kelly Brown Douglas. It matters that Jesus was crucified. His crucifixion indicates God's unwavering solidarity with the crucified peoples of the world, making it unmistakably clear that these lives matter to God. Welcome, Claire Allensworth, who is our guest preacher on the podcast today. Claire, thank you. Thank you for your sermon. We have a lot to get into, um, but first, I just want to invite you to share with us uh, where you are and what you're up to. Tell us a little more about who you are. 
Great. Um, so I currently serve as the associate minister at the Tempe Church of Christ okay. in Tempe, Arizona. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love it there. It's I've been there for about, um, this is my third year starting there. I okay. love it there. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Um, well, first off, I just want to say um, your sermon is so poetic. Um, there's just so much vivid detail. Um, I, I felt like you just, you crawled inside the story and you lived it um, in this kind of 3D experience way and then um, helped us to crawl inside it as well. Um, as painful as it was, honestly, um, as a mother, um, it was just remarkable um, and, and pivoting to a more recent um, experience of, of a crucifixion and um, helping us get to even more modern and current um, experiences of this, um, man, just um, so full of emotion and weight and pain, so heavy. Um, so I have a lot, <laughs> I have so many questions. Um, do you write poetry? Because it was so poetic. <laughs> um, I, I don't. So I, I don't write formal poetry, I would say, but I do um, tell stories in this kind of way. Yeah, this is uh, when it comes to when I think about like personal preaching style um, and just for my own personal reflection, um, I love to craft stories in this kind of way where there's like there's themes that are interwoven and there's like repeated word usage and, mm-hmm. you know, to, to kind of tie it together. So, yeah, yeah. I, so it, it does have a poetic tinge to it, but, um, and I, I just love it. I love crafting stories. It, it's really just something that God has given me to be able to sort of, cause it, cause it helps me, like, as you were saying, it helps me to put myself in those places and, and really experience the text and embody the text in a uh-huh. unique way. Um, and that's one reason why I love it. But it, is, it does have a poetic kind of, of a tint to it, I would say. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> so um, we met earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And um, if I remember correctly, you do not have children, right? I don't. Okay, I don't and, and and yet you you lived this story um, as a mother, which I thought was so interesting. Um, that somehow um, you worked some kind of magic um, to both like live it as a mother, and then also fully live this like blessed are those who haven't born any children who don't have to suffer this sort of mm. horrific loss of of watching their children's lives be taken at the hands of others. Um, I don't, I don't even know how you did it, how you held those two realities together, um, at the same time, but you really, um, made, made space for everyone. Um, and, oh man, it's just so cool. Um, there's a lot of heaviness there, like this language. Mm -hmm. I love the language of, um, crucifying violence. And at the end Mm -hmm. where you just kind of walked us through, like, um, you know, we, um, as we're listening to your sermon, we're not allowed to leave Jesus's crucifixion in the past because mm-hmm. it happened a hundred years ago and it's happening today. Um, yes. Oh, it was so, so good. Um, 
I love the quote that you offered, um, you know, that it, it matters that Jesus was crucified, that this is, this is how God stands in solidarity with those who are still being crucified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that these lives matter to God. Um, so I, I don't even know, there's no question in there, obviously, but, um, uh, yeah. How, how did you get there? How, how did this text lead you there? Um, I, well, so it really, I, I'm indebted to, um, the womanist theologians that I've been reading recently um, for an ethics class that I'm in. Uh Um, so recently I've been reading their work and just what they keep coming back to is that we, when we, when we live and inside the experience of especially black female bodies, you know, how expansive that make, how, how inclusive is that of all experiences, right? Of suffering. Um, and so I, I think that I've been really thinking about that, about what it's, what, what it's like to, to live in, in that kind of suffering that I haven't experienced myself. Huh. Um, and so I think just that really prompted me thinking about um, thinking about the experience of black bodies, but also thinking about it from women's perspective too. Mm-hmm. And I think that for the, this text in particular, I, I just really, as I was reading, you know, I did key in on that where Jesus tells them like, blessed are you who won't bear children, you yeah. know, and, and it's these women that are following him. Um, and I just, I was just so struck by that because here he is in the midst of this suffering and he's acknowledging these women and sharing in the fact that yes, this is horrible. Like what is happening here is horrible, but, but it's, but he is, I feel like he's saying, but this is not the end. Like yeah. this, this will not end with me. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, just for me trying to live in that experience of women that are present there um, and how really I wanted to show that, that fact that when Christ suffers, we, he's suffering with all of us. He's, he's, he's totally embodying every experience of suffering that, that happens after that. Yeah. That that tragic event. Yeah. And I think that that just, I just, I felt like the text is so mournful. And sometimes I think that when we, when we talk about it and we preach it, we lose that, you know, we, we sometimes lose that gravity of what's happening yeah. That, that Christ is entering complete suffering. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I really just wanted to capture that, you know, yeah. and, and, and like you said, not leave us with, oh, but it's okay. Yeah. Like, because this, because sometimes we also look at the crucifixion, like this is the pinnacle of human suffering. Yeah. And, and it, it is in a certain degree, but, but it keeps happening. Yeah. The, the pinnacle yeah. keeps happening over and over again as we see people suffering, as we see bodies that are abused and in all forms and manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just, and we, we have to live with that as a people that it keeps happening. That yes. suffering, suffering hasn't somehow gotten easier in our modern world um, with technology advancements. And, you know, we're so much more human, but the truth is we're not. Yeah. 
Well, and when it comes to the suffering of Jesus, I think we're, we're only okay with it because we know the end of the story and we want to yes. rush to the end of the story. Yes. And yes. <clears throat> we're so uncomfortable with suffering. We don't know how to handle it, you know? Um, yeah. 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 Oh, it's so good. So good. Okay. Um, I know we're out of time. So any last thoughts that you want to leave us with? Is there a word of hope here? Because we oh, it's heavy. It's so heavy. Yeah, it's so heavy. Stay tuned for next week. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think that the word of hope that I would leave is that it is it is good for us to mourn like it is so good for us as people to try to live in these experiences of others yeah and to sit with them and mourn with them yeah um because i think that that is the only thing that can produce the kind of change that is so necessary. Mm. Um, Cause if we don't really mourn and sit with suffering in our world, yeah. then we will, we will still live in this comfortable silence. Yeah. Um, and it will not drive us to do anything to end the suffering of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think for those of us like me who feel like we are in that position of privilege and, and power, we have to mourn, we have to sit with this, we have to see it for what it is. Um, And then for those people who find themselves in that position of oppression and suffering, I think the comfort is that Christ fully experiences that with you. Yeah. Again and again and again, he is crucified again and again and again with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, uh, is there is there a place where this is landing for you there in Tempe? Like it, um, and maybe this is kind of, you know, just cooking for you and, and it doesn't quite have legs yet, but is there a place where that suffering is um, present for you and where you are engaging it, even if it's just mm-hmm. st- starting or to think about engaging it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that for me where this has been hitting home is that in, in Tempe, I have been given the opportunity to speak, right? I, I've been given a voice that I spent most of my life in ministry not having. You know, yeah. being a, being a woman, um, I was in previous positions where I wasn't allowed to speak. I wasn't yes. allowed to have my voice be heard. And now here I am, and I have so much freedom, and I have so many opportunities, and I just keep feeling like God is saying you need to give your voice up. Like you, you've been given this, but there are other people who are still suffering. Um, I think about um, the African-American women in our congregation um, who are, there's so few of them. And, um, and I think about their voices being heard. And I think about how do I give up my voice? Yeah. Um, And, and that's honestly, been something really hard to wrestle with because I feel like I just found my voice and yet God is saying, but there's, there's more stories that need to be told from people who are still suffering. 
Yeah. Um, and our, our Hispanic community is, is suffering around us in Tempe. Yeah. You know, yeah. we are right there near the border and there, and it's just present all the time. Um, and I, and I think about how di- my community is not diverse and, and how does my community um, engage that? And, and how are we giving those stories a platform to be told? Yeah. Um, and so those are the things that I've been thinking about with this is, yeah. is and that, and that's a hard, you know, that's a hard place to be um, yes. for sure. But, but I keep feeling like God keeps asking me to um, whatever power you've been given, whatever responsibility you've been given, um, give it to someone else, give yeah. it away, Yeah, you know, and, and be yeah. willing to do that. And I think the, the, powers and principalities would have us believe in, in a scarcity mindset, you know, in yes, a hold yes, on to what's yours. Yes. Like I've waited so long for this opportunity and I finally can, can, you know, use my voice in this context and how can I give it away? I mean, that, that that's so real, um, mm-hmm. especially for someone who has, has waited mm-hmm. um, yeah. for opportunity, but we know, we know that the reality, you know, in, in, in the, in the economy of God, the reality is there is plenty for everyone. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. more we yep. give up, the more that goes around, you know, like it's not, yep. um, yeah, yeah. So I love That's that. So yeah. Um, mm. Thank you so much again um, for sharing, for, um, oh my gosh, for going so deep into such a painful place. Um, man, it almost sounded like you were crying at points in your sermon. And yeah, I was, I was. It, it, <laughs> it, impa- it impacts me to my core. Like yeah. it is, it is completely, um, God somehow crafts these things in me and, and they, I, I do, I, I ask him every time before I get to share stories, cause this is what I feel really called to do. You know, I always ask God, give me the voices that are not mine, yeah. you know, cause these are not my experiences. You know, I was not Mary at the cross and I was not this woman who's seen her son, um, be burned by the mob, you know, like I am not these people, mm-hmm. but I know that God has heard their voices and hears their voices and has seen them and knows them. And so I always ask, you know, God to help me embody them, Yeah, you yeah. know, to, to let them speak through me somehow. Yeah. Um, and I think and that's just God really showed up. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah thank thank you. you. I appreciate that. I'm, I, like I said, I am honored. I am, I'm humbled and honored to share these stories. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, And I look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you, Jen. All right. If today you find yourself on the outside without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you're always welcome in God's community. If you are one who wears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise known as a faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. Let's build bigger tables together. If something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you really does help to shape the future of this podcast. You'll have the greatest impact and opportunities for engagement by joining our Patreon community by clicking that Become a Patron button on our page, patreon.com slash Jen Hale Christie. 
And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook at Jen Hale Christie. Lastly, you would really help others to connect with this work if you would subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next time. 